Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. On today's episode, Tam Carter, LMSW, has joined us. Tamra Tam Carter is a Montgomery, Alabama native. Her passion for social work peaked after serving four years in the U.S. Army. In 2020, Tam graduated with her master's in social work from Troy University. Shortly after, she began working with the geriatric population as a social services assistant and received a certificate to specialize in treating dementia patients at a nursing home in Alabama. After successfully passing her licensure in 2021, she was promoted to social services director. As she continued to build her experience, Tam's interest in other areas of medical social work quickly ignited, which led her to relocating to the Atlanta metro area. Tam now works as a social work case manager at one of Georgia's nationally recognized hospitals. Tam is supported by her loving fiance and two beautiful daughters. They will be getting married this June. Tam lives by the Mamba Mentalities Mantra, a constant quest to be the best version of oneself. Welcome to the show, Tam. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. First off, thank you, Tam, for your service. It was my pleasure. I know we are going to get into your social work journey, but I am curious what led you to your military service and what did you learn about yourself while serving? So I was in undergrad, a psych major. Um, Things didn't seem to be moving as fast as I wanted them to. As far as getting careers lined up, well, jobs lined up, um, I felt like I was at a standstill. Um, and I said, I'm going to go to the military. <laughs> but my aunt and my mom was like, make sure you get your degree first. So I went into the military. I said I was going to be an officer. Um, and what I learned, what I felt like I learned from the military experience is I learned how strong I am because I had a lot of battles I had to overcome, uh, personal battles, uh, battles with friends, people that I thought were my friends, and family. Um, so I trusted a lot of people in the military um, as friends. Like, all of them were my brothers and sisters, but I, you know, had some betrayal. Um, and it's kind of hard to go through that when you're away from your family and all you know are the people that you meet. So I had to learn who to trust and who not to trust. Um, I experienced the death of my mom while I was in the military and right after I had to go on deployment. So I dealt with those feelings when I was on deployment. Um, I didn't have the, as much support as I felt like I needed, you know, when I was going through that. Um, so that was very difficult, but I learned how to get through it. Hmm. My condolences to losing your mama. I can't even imagine. That must have been really, really, really tough. All while serving in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know she was so, I know you're happy 
that she got to see you get that undergraduate degree because she told right. you as long as you got your degree first. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious though, like, okay, you're in college, you're doing all the things that we're told to do. And then your brain just has this brilliant idea. I'm going to go into the military. <laughs> well, you know, they, it's a, I guess you can call it a stigma. Like people feel like, oh, I'm just going to go to the military and then that's going to fix all of my issues. It's going to give me a career. It's going to give me benefits, uh, money. So that's what I was thinking. So that's why I just went. I was like, okay, I got my degree, but I'm going to go do this and see where it leads me. And even though you had all of those emotional turmoils and obstacles with the betrayals, the loss of your mom, did it help solve some of your problems? Like, did it give you a career? Did it give you the money that you were seeking? Were yes. there some benefits? <laughs> um, yeah. It did. It did set me up, uh, you know, for success in the long run. I don't regret it at all. Sometimes I still miss the military. Um, I feel like I did sell myself short. I should have went in as officer since I already had my bachelor's. I think my experience most definitely would have been different. Um, yeah, so I feel like I got everything I went in for. No regrets. And like I still would encourage someone to go to the military now because I've seen the military do great things for people. Um, just like any other thing, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to do what's best for you. And at that time, that was what was best for you. Yeah. yeah. I love it. All right. Well, the reason you're here is to dig into your social <laughs> journey. Will you tell us about your social work? So you have an undergraduate degree in psychology. Mm -hmm. Now you're a whole military background. And so here we are. And you decide to get a master's degree in social work. Start from yeah. the beginning. How did you learn about social work? And why, and what is your social work journey? Okay, so I learned about, well, I already knew about social work, but I thought social workers just take children, you know, the, the stereotype, the stigma, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but when I was in the military and I was going through the situations with my mom, I sought out uh, therapy. And so I was doing, you know, grief counseling, um, a healthy thinking class, anger management, um, individual therapy. And I didn't realize that except my individual therapist, everybody else was social workers. And I was like blown away because I didn't know social workers did that. I assume everybody was psychologists. Um, so when I learned that they were social workers, they told me they knew that I wanted to do therapy. I've been wanting to do I wanted to do therapy for the longest. And they said, Well, you know, social workers can do therapy too. Or you can just get your master's in social work and use that as a bridge to get to uh, psychology if you want to do that. And so that's what inspired me to register uh into a master's program at Troy University. You know what I'm curious about, Tam? You sought out therapy while in the military. And so I have a stereotype or or maybe a preconceived thought about while in the military is it is kind of, you know, frowned upon for soldiers to seek out therapy. And yet you, during the loss of your mom, did seek out therapy. And I guess obviously the loss was really, really difficult, but wondering how you were able to push past 
that um, preconceived notion that that's something that's frowned upon in the military. I just couldn't take it anymore. I was having like panic attacks, anxiety attacks. It was affecting how I work. And I didn't like that. People could see that I was going through something. They would tell me all the time, oh, you look so depressed, you look down, you look sad. And it was just weighing on me. So I just had to go seek out some help. Yeah, and I love that they were social workers. I also, you know, you have an undergraduate degree in psychology, which says, yes, ma'am, you were wanting to always do therapy. So I'm sure that's part of your social work journey. Why is therapy such a desire for you to do? So when I was younger and I decided that I wanted to do therapy, I thought therapy was just giving advice. <laughs> and I, I I was always told I gave the greatest advice from my friends. I could always help them fix all their problems. But when I started taking classes at Troy, um, I realized that's not therapy at all. But I still was interested. Um, I just like to help people talk it out. Uh, I feel like growing up, I didn't have that. And I just want to normalize it um, and make people feel, make people feel comfortable to come, you know, discuss things with me. And I just, I just like helping people figure things out. I love that. Yeah. That's such a Gemini. You're such a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a Gemini. So here you are, you have your master's from Troy. What's next on your social work journey? What, what are your next steps? So I plan on getting my clinical license. Um, I can't give you an exact, uh, well, I want to have it by the end of the year. I will say that. Um, and then I do want to do therapy, but I feel like I want to do it as an end goal. Like I want to end my career with therapy because it's so much I want to do within the field of social work that I would want to be able to give all my time to doing therapy when I am ready to fully get into it. Um, I want to get into maybe specialty social work, like working with cancer patients or uh, patients that need transplants. Um, I want to stay in the medical field. Um, VA, uh, working on a post or a base of a military. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I want to go back before we move to the future of what you want to do with your social work journey. In between, what have you been doing since you got your MSW? Then you apparently knew to get your license. I want to hear about how you knew to get your license because some folks don't. I was 10 years post-master's before I thought to get my, what we called an LGSW back then. So I'm mm -hmm. curious about after you graduated from Troy, what were your what was your social work journey from then till now? So when I graduated from Troy, I had a lot of anxiety. Because when I graduated graduated with my degree in psychology, I didn't really find, it was hard to find jobs with the bachelor's in psychology, so I was really, you know, scared. Um, and I just kept applying, 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 um, wondering what was wrong with my resumes. But, you know, it's good to have connections and to network with people. I was able to get a job at a nursing home in Selma, Alabama. Um, I didn't want, one thing I said, I did not want to work at a nursing home. I did not want to work with the geriatric population. That's just something I was not interested in. And, you know, at Troy, the instructors, instructors told us that, you know, what you don't want to do will probably be what finds you and probably be what you 
stay with. So uh, I was led to the geriatric population at the nursing home. Um, I was so excited, uh, even though uh, I was an assistant and the titles did get to me, which I have to, you know, learn not to focus so much on that. Um, <laughs> so I enjoyed it. But then I realized if I want more money and more positions, I need the LMSW. And the instructors at Troy, you know, stress that we have to get our license. You have to get your license. And one professor told us <laughs> that, you know, you, you you can't call yourself a social worker until you have your license. But I looked at it as just motivation, you know? And I, I was like, I want to be a social worker. <laughs> like, I want to be a licensed social worker. So after three tries, I got it. Ooh, I want to hear that part of your journey. Three tries. And before we get there, I want to, I do want to say this because actually I say something different in regards to population, the population that you don't really want to work with. Like for instance, um, I've worked with so many populations, including children, but I always knew, and I learned that in my um, undergraduate field placement. Oh, children aren't my population. <laughs> like I prefer working with women, um, specifically women who dealt with some trauma. But I learned early on that children aren't my population. And so I didn't go and seek out jobs that had children involved. And so I found it very curious that you were encouraged to work with the population that uh, you probably didn't want to work with. And now that I know that part of your journey, it kind of makes sense about some of the stuff that we've had to talk about over the last few years, but I find that intriguing. And you know what, they, whoever that instructor was who said that in Alabama, it is correct, Tam, that um, we're not allowed to call ourselves social worker unless you have that license. But, you know, one of the things, how I've been talking to people about it, you know, folks who have an MBA or MPH, you're not going around saying I'm a master's business, you know, whatever that A stands for, or I'm a master's public health, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to have the letters behind your name and then get the credential that allows you to call yourself social worker. So I'm not upset about that, but I'm just like, wow, I can't believe they encourage you to work with the population you're not, you're least interested in. <laughs> that is interesting. But moving on, I do want to hear about your licensing experience because we do have members in the audience who um, have struggled passing that test. It took you three tries, but you are at LMSW on your way to the clinical exam. Do you mind sharing about your that part of your social work journey on how <laughs> the license went for you? I don't mind. Um, so the first time I took it, I have to admit that I didn't spend as much as much time as I should have preparing myself for it. Um, I got the book the done apart book and I read that and I did I think the app with the questions but I was learning more so uh terms definitions I didn't learn how to answer the questions so and like I said I didn't put much time into it uh so when I took the first one I think I missed by seven or eleven points I can't remember and then, so I knew what I had to do for the second try. I studied uh, exactly how to break down the questions. I spent more time on that. 
and I forgot all about the definitions and stuff of that nature. And I took the test and I missed by three points. So I was like, okay. So I now just got to spend more time and I got to give equal time to each part, the questions, how to break them down, and then just the terms, the knowledge, the definitions. And I passed. Oh, I was going to say one more thing too. Um, me, I'm the type of person, I like to do things uh, on the weekend. I like to go out and have fun. Um, I like movies. I like social media. And I really had to cut off everything to focus on the test. Um, I've heard a quote before that says, you don't want to be successful if you're not willing to give up something for like a certain amount of time to get you to where you want to be. And I gave up everything. I gave up going out. It was weekends. I would just stay in the house and just study. I wouldn't get on social media. I didn't catch up with my favorite shows. Every time I had the urge to get on Facebook, I would do the app with the questions. Oh, I love that. Every time you wanted to get on the Facebook app, instead you got on the app with the questions. Yeah, I love that. Pam, what was the time lapse in between the first time taking it and the third time? Did you, did you know, I've heard some people like, oh, after the first try, I waited a year. Or after that second time, I just, you know, I decided to take it right away back to fact. I'm curious, what was your time lapse? So the first time I took it, it was actually on my mother's uh, death date anniversary. And my therapist was like, why did you do that? <laughs> so it was January 29th. Uh, and then the second time I took it was like March or April. And the third time I took it was in September when I passed. So it was all the same year. Oh yeah. You were you were ready. You were ready. <laughs> part of part of the journey that I've heard you talk about was after you got your license, you decided to wait before you went into the clinical supervision arena. And I guess I'm curious about like once you got your license. Were you burned out because it took you three tries or, yeah, talk to me about why you decided to wait before um, starting on the clinical journey. I was burned out from just the process of preparing myself for the test. Um, I've heard people talk about it on Facebook and Black Girls in Social Work that it's, it's very emotional. Um, I don't believe people know how depressed you can get. Like, I was depressed getting ready for that test because you're like, I feel like I'm trying hard, but then I feel like I'm not trying hard enough. Am I ever going to pass? This person said it took them eight tries. This person, it took them one. It's just so much that you're exposed to with the test. Like, it's it was very emotional for me. I just felt really down doing that. Most of that whole year, like, and then giving up things that I love for something that I really wanted. So it was, it was emotional. Yeah. And so then what made you decide to go ahead and get on the clinical journey? Because I felt like I wasn't learning anymore. Like even though the process to prepare for the test was sad, like I still was learning. It was still exciting to learn new things and you know, remember those things. And I just felt like, okay, well, I'm just going to work every day. I'm not really doing anything to feed my mind with the occupation that I love. And I want to eventually, you know, have my clinical license. So just start. 
I mean, I was nervous at first because I didn't know what it would look like. Um, I don't know. It was just, I'm not going to say it was weird for me, but it was just different. And I was scared, but I still wanted to learn. My my uh, appetite for learning was, it overpowered that fear of the unknown. I'm just going to say, you're such a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> you're the consummate student. And so now that you're done with your supervision hours and you're you're about to start studying for your exam, how are you going to be intentional about being that lifelong learner in this profession? Um, I'm still working through that. Uh, I haven't. I need to set goals. I learned that I, I do need to set goals. I used to really hate setting goals. I would like to keep stuff in my head and say, oh, I'll do it this time, day. But no, I'm actually going to sit down and just write out what I want to do by a certain date. Um, I have access to the material, so I need to start just looking over the material, getting the app back, and getting my hands on some questions. Um, I don't know if I'm going to use the same method or the same tutor that I used before, because she, her style is like, it seems like it's the same thing for the LMSW. So I don't know, but I'm scared to switch up the way that I was taught to break down the questions. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to start by setting deadlines for myself. Now that you've had this part of the journey, you'll do what's best for you. Just like what you said with your military experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition us to our next question. So, Tam, a big reason that I'm doing this podcast is to promote the importance of being in community with other social workers. What social work communities do you belong to or what social work communities have you created? And what have you learned about yourself being in these communities? Well, I'm a part of the uh, Black Girls in Social Work uh, community. It's on GroupMe. Um, we share resources, uh, job openings, um, just all things social work, CU events. Um, and I feel like I'm being more social. I'm already a social person, but it's making me be more social and just learning and uh, brainstorming with other individuals. That's awesome. That is awesome. And that's the paid membership, right? That's not just a Facebook group, correct? No, it's a, it's a group. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have to look that one up. I didn't know they had <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Pam, what other communities have you either created or thought about creating within the social work profession? I thought about creating a community or a space for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I noticed that I don't see people such as myself that much in the community. And I just want to do something, but it's kind of hard when you don't see other people, you know, that that's like yourself. Um, and sometimes you can't just see them. Like you have to know, they have to make themselves known. You can't just tell by looking at people. So um, it's in the works. Absolutely. I want to share a little quick story with you too. I, on my profiles as a psychotherapist, I have that, that's the population I work with. And one of my clients he put in all of these criteria, you know, someone who works with depression, someone who works with anxiety, you know, all the criteria you put in. And then he had, you know, all the hundred therapists. And then 
he put in, you know, LGBTQ and there was only two, just me and one other person for him to pick. And so I, I'm so excited to hear this because even if, you know, we're in the shadows, <laughs> no one is talking for whatever reason that we have heard. And maybe it's because we're in Alabama, um, some of the populations that I serve, but um, I'm excited to see what you do with it. I really am. So we're going to make sure that we put your LinkedIn and or some type of connect in the description box so that if there are other social workers who are thinking about this space as well, they can contact you and maybe you guys can brainstorm. Is that okay? That's fine. I like I'm this. Excited. Yeah, that's a great idea, Tim. I'm excited. What is one belief about social work that you started on this journey with that you feel has changed the most? Mm, I feel like when I started my social work journey, I thought that everything would be equal across the board uh, as far as in the, within the profession. Um, but a lot of social workers don't have the same uh, mentality when it comes to fairness. Um, and we're, we're human at the end of the day, but there are a lot of biasness um, within the profession when it comes to working with clients. Uh, and I guess that's why it's so important to do the diversity inclusion, uh, you know, uh, trainings on people being different and how to respect them and how to treat them. Um, but that's that's one of the things that I noticed that I was like wrong about. Um, I think another thing was I felt like our clients <laughs> would love social workers because we're helping them. But sometimes the help that we have for them might not be the help that they want. Um, so I noticed that a lot working in a nursing home um, with people with uh, drug abuse. Uh, they didn't want to stop doing what they were doing, but we're trying to help you stay in this facility because you need to be here. So um, that's another thing. Yeah, clients, uh, self-determination. Yeah. <laughs> Science right to self-determination is definitely a thing and um, there's consequences to them having their right to self-determination yeah you know what Tam I used to say that uh, and I don't mean this in any kind of malicious way but I used to say I've never met a social worker I didn't like and then I met some social workers <laughs> that I didn't like. Yes. And it was exactly, you know, for the reasons that you were saying. And one of the things that I, I learned and, you know, I, I make this analogy a lot. Um, social work can sometimes be like church, right? Where, you know, that's where all the, the people who are seeking healing and the people who are seeking healing are sick folk, right? So that's where all the sick folk are coming. And so their sickness bleeds all over others if they're not doing the work. And so I think it's important that if you, if you're in this profession, I love that. I heard you say you have your own therapist. So, you know, you got to be doing the work. You have to be doing the self-reflection. You have to do the work on your own because there's a reason why we came into this profession. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate your transparency with that. Tam, oh my goodness, we're already at, our last question. It's been such a great conversation. Um, and I want to kind of jump back into the fact that, because I am aware of your 
this part of your social work journey. Just one day you were in Alabama and then the next you were in Atlanta. <laughs> I love that. And I remember you you kind of struggled for a long time to leave one of the jobs that you were at in Alabama. And it, when you did, you didn't just leave that job. You left the whole state. <laughs> and it was a really, it had been a struggle for you to leave that job. And so I guess I would love for you to talk to the, some of the members of the audience who may be feeling stuck and afraid to take a big leap. What advice would you give them? For me, it was... Um, finding something, finding an opportunity where there are more opportunities, going to a place where there are more opportunities. Um, I love where I'm from. I love Alabama, love Montgomery, but I feel like my generation, if you want to grow, like you're going to have to relocate. Um, it's nothing wrong with going back later on and giving back, but I feel like it's so much out there to to see and so much money to make in other places. Like you just gotta go. Um, I always had my heart set on going to Georgia since I got out of the military, but the time it wasn't right for me. Um, now the time's right. So I'm here and I came and I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely, you know, we talked about this offline a, a few months ago the person you were when you were working a job where you were burnt out and people were telling you you were burnt out and you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> and now the person, the social worker you are, you can even tell a difference in even how you offer your services to your clients. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tam, do you have any final words of advice you would like to leave our audience with? Um. Well, I want to say two things. One is in, um it necessarily really advice maybe it could be um so the job that I'm in now I love it but I can see now that I can't I don't think I could be there for like a long time because the demand I think is it can wear on you mentally I could be very stressful you know working in a hospital and you know just because of the benefits the money you know, I don't want to like wear myself down, have heart issues and taking high blood pressure medication because of that. So you made me think about that when you said that I was uh, burned out and I didn't know when to go. But like I said, I love my job right now. I love what I do. But I do know at some point I can't keep doing it because, you know, I'm not going to be the age I am now and in the shape I'm in forever. So um, I do want people to always remember that, like, we have to go, we have to move at some point for what's best for us in that, you know, situation. But I do want to let the social workers know to be rare. That's my word, my key word, be rare, be different. Um, don't be afraid to be different. You might be just what a client is looking for. Um, I know sometimes the spaces I go in, I don't look like the typical social worker. Um, but I meet a lot of clients that do look like me and they are very happy to see me coming. <laughs> so, and just embrace it. It's good to be different. You don't want to be like anybody else. And then like, you know, they always tell us when we go into new jobs, find out what you can change in that job. Like how can you help them do things differently the way they operate in their job? Be that, be a walking version of that. 
What's that quote? Be the change you wish to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you, Tam, for showing up as your rare, authentic self today. Thank you for who feel like they might be on the outside and say, hey, here I am. Come see me. We're going to make sure that we have a way to for folks to get in contact with you. So okay. all the rare jewels can show up together because <laughs> I'm excited about that. I love that. I absolutely love that, Tim. That was great. Thank you for coming on the Goddesses of Social podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.